All right, my friends. Man, I'm like, I'm so excited for today because this is one of those those episodes where uh, I get to talk to somebody who not only I've known for a long time, uh, but I would say today's guest, Luca Hosvar, I mean, he changed, he literally changed my life in, in a couple different ways and we'll touch on it a little bit, but it's really cool because, you know, I'm sitting down, I'm just talking to Luca right before this and I'm just thinking about how, uh, you know, really my journey with him started where I was in this place of excited uh, and motivated, but without really very much direction uh, as far as how to build up my, my business. Luca was my first mentor, had a huge impact on me and on my business. But the crazy part is I think he, he helped me tactically, which is important because I needed basic kind of guidelines. But most importantly, he, he helped me shift from uh, very much so getting in my own, in my own way. And I think that's really uh, the biggest impact that somebody can have on your life is, is not only giving you stuff to do to, that'll help you be successful now, but helping you get past all the stuff you do to hold you back. Um, and so to give you guys a little background on, on Luke, if you guys don't know who Luke is and you're in the fitness industry, I have no idea where you've been, um, but Luke has been around for a while. He's OG. Uh, he is the owner of Vigor Ground Fitness uh, out in Washington. He also uh, co-owns with Steve Krebs, who is also my mentor, Yo Grow Your Gym. I bet you guys can guess uh, what, you, what they do over there. Um, and so Luca, he came out from Slovenia, professional basketball player, and then all of a sudden uh, owns this amazing gym that's been around for 11 years. And so Luca, thank you so much for joining me, man. I'm my so pleasure, excited brother. for this. Appreciate that intro, man. Sounds like I actually know what I'm doing. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, I think that's an understatement. I mean, I remember like my first time I joined the pack and uh, that was, that was a mentorship at the time. And I, uh, I go out to Miami, we do like our quarterly meetup or whatever. And you guys basically sat us in this room and uh, you got like you and Steve just sat there and you said things to me that nobody, you asked me questions that nobody had ever asked me immediately after you don't know this immediately after i call up my now fiance nicole she's my girlfriend at the time i called her i think i was like almost crying a little bit and i was like uh i'm so sorry that i like haven't been the person that you deserve and like i haven't been showing up as myself because i've had all this stuff in my head that held me back and like that moment my business got way better my relationships got way better, had a huge impact on just, just my life. And I think that's a testament to, to who you are, but talk me through like this journey because uh, I feel like you didn't just wake up one day and go, all right, I'm going to start this super successful gym. Uh, and I automatically know everything about business and fitness and uh, helping people. It was, it was a process, I would assume. Oh man. I mean, this, this is where <laughs> it's like, I always, you know, um, this can be a drawn out story. And sometimes, I mean, I've, I've told it quite a few times. Uh, and yet at the same time, you know, some, you, n you never know meaning the audience or like how interested they are in, in this stuff as far as how deep you want to go. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try to not go too long, but, but kind of give, uh, I guess certain touch points. If anybody watched the, the, uh, the last dance, which hopefully you did was a phenomenal documentary, but cause it kind of, you know, went back and forth with the years and like showed the pivotal kind of points of obviously the, you know, the Chicago Bulls and Jordan and whatnot. And, uh, you know, for, for me, I was, I was born in Yugoslavia in 81. So man, that's, you know, socialism, communism days, uh, moved to, 
moved to London when I was seven. We came back to, you know, Slovenia, kind of like right around the, when the war started, the Balkan War in 91. And, um, and then I, I, I got into basketball. Like that was my life. Uh, it was actually two things. I, I got into basketball was my life. And then also kind of around, around 12 to 13 years old, I was also started doing a lot of dumb stuff. Uh, stealing, robbing, that turned into, you know, worse shit and a lot of criminal things. Um, and I also went to school, supposedly. Uh, it was kind of like more of a side thing. <laughs> but, uh, and I, I, fig- I figured out how to game the system. I went to school too, but the, the basketball and, and doing more street stuff was kind of a uh, higher priority for me. But, um, I, you know, and I, I, I think what's important, uh, first of all, to kind of like, you know, we're talking about the process and we're talking about the mindset and maybe uh, somebody can relate to this. You know, I wasn't great. I mean, look, right now I'm, I'm six foot in my sneakers, right? If you see me, your first thought is not this guy's, you know, a basketball player. Um, and that was the case for my whole life. You know, I was the kid that didn't get picked. I was the kid that was like, ah, we got to, You know, there's, there's 10 people and I'm the 10th one. Like, ah, fuck, we got to pick this guy. Um, and so I actually had a big chip on my shoulder, you know, it's like I was the youngest of three brothers. And so, and then there's a lot of other factors too, you know, but point being is I actually, like, I was like, man, basketball wasn't, you know, how people say like, oh, you're passionate about it. I mean, I liked it, but I was just angry. Like I just, I just wanted to prove myself. I hated not, you know, being, um, significant or, or, you know, I think everybody seeks that significance and kind of appreciation and, and being seen, right. And being a part of something. And so that was like how I started like practicing really hard, you know, and, and obviously the more I practiced, this is kind of like from, if anybody's read, you know, uh, Cal Newport's book, uh, so good, they can't ignore you, which I, is one of my book recommendations for a lot of people. Um, you know, the better, the more I practiced, the better I got, the more passionate I got about basketball. And, and so that became that, the thing, you know, that I really, really bought into. Uh, and obviously once you, you know, sport is so powerful in that it builds teams and camaraderies and, you know, I found a place. So it was like, I had, you know, I had my place in, in sports and then, you know, I had my place also in, you know, in, in my group of people that, that we were doing dumb stuff out in the streets and stuff. But that was my life, man. Uh, pretty much through my, my teenage years and, in, in a, I got, I got good at basketball. I mean, I was, you know, playing kind of like uh, division two pro when I was, you know, 17. Um, and it also like the, the ages of, I would say 16, 17, 18 were also the hardest ages for, you know, I got into more and more, I, I guess, uh, activities that were dangerous and dumb and, you know, uh, escalated right to where I was selling drugs and things in that nature. So it all kind of came to a, uh, to head right around when I was 18 years old, when uh, I eventually, you know, uh, went to college to play basketball. And but the way that that happened is, I, I went to the states to this internet. Um, the IBC was like a basketball camp where all the scouts are at and stuff. And we actually did that with the team. But long story short, um, that that year, you know, 17 to 18, a lot of crazy stuff happened for me uh, personally. Um, that made me go, Oh shit, I gotta, I gotta change my life. You know I mean? We're, we're talking about like, you know, I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to get killed. Or, you know, I, I, it escalating the, the, it's like anything else, right? Like when you get into the game, uh, you know, it pulls you in and you start doing dumb stuff. And I also saw how it took me away from basketball, you know, like me, my coach who was, was a big mentor and a big influence of mine was like, Hey man, I know what you're doing. You know, what, what path do you think this is going to take you? 
and he loved me and he showed me, you know, tough love and he, you know, bench me and like go like, dude, dude, I'm not going to play you. If you come late to practices, if you do this, that, you know, so he knew what hurt me and what hurt me was not to play ball. Um, and, you know, long story short, like one of these camps, uh, there was a guy, Wayne Jones, that was like, hey, man, you ever thought about going to college in the States and playing basketball? And initially I said, no, nah, not really, man. I'm already playing pro. I'm doing this, that, the other. But then once these things happen and like, you know, uh, people were looking for me with guns, I'm like, you know, every conversation I'm, I'm, I'm on is getting recorded by the cops, like yada, 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 right? Uh, I had this, you know, epiphany is like, man, I, I got to create some separation. And, and I wanted, so I wanted to obviously play pro basketball. Um, you know, I wanted to finish uh, school, at least for my, for in my, in my mind, it was like for my parents say, but I, you know, I, I wasn't like, Ooh, I really want to go to college and do all this stuff in Slovenia. I kind of enrolled, but never went, you know? Um, and so in the camp, when I uh, went to my second year of this Eastern Invitational, I, and I, and I did really well. I had no idea how like college recruiting works. So I'm there in, you know, end of July and looking for a scholarship, not knowing that all scholarships are gone. And, and I did great. And I got, you know, some offers from Delaware state, Quinnipiac, um, Western Michigan, all good D one schools. And, uh, but they're like, Hey man, like if you walk on, you know, you, then after that, we'll be able to give you a scholarship. But I could, you know, we just couldn't afford any of these, you know, $40,000, $50,000, you know, schools or anything like that. So I ended up going to um, a junior college upstate New York uh, because it was, you know, the, the guy was like, hey, look, listen, Luca, you know, we can't give you a full ride. Uh, you can get some of the stuff covered, but you'll play. And I remember coming back, like, I mean, it was like August 3rd. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I mean, so it was like a kind of pretty quick decision. And, um, within that month I got the visa and everything else. And, uh, I actually flew out, believe it or not, September 11th, 2001. I was, I was on oh a flight. God. Uh, yeah, I was supposed to, my, my flight was supposed to land in New York 20 minutes after the towers got hit. So we, we flew in the air. Uh, we tried to kind of go back to Germany. Didn't have enough fuel. We just flew in, uh, cause the airspace was closed until we ran out of gas and then landed in Nova Scotia. So I was in a military camp in Nova Scotia for a week. I mean, I got stories for days like this. This could be a podcast of just crazy stories, <laughs> but I'm trying to run through it. And, and uh, you know, I ended up being uh, upstate New York two years in a junior college. Then I went down to Southern Virginia and got a full ride, um, played there. Uh, from there, I went to, I played pro ball. I went, actually, my first year of pro was, uh, I went to Ukraine, came back to Slovenia, played for a couple of teams, um, did NBA Summer Pro League in 2004, five. Um, like the, the timelines get a little meshed for me, by the way, but, and, and, but while I was, you know, so, and, but, but I've always, so it's, what's really important to, to understand is that like, there is, there was an underlying like theme of fitness and training in my life. And, you know, from like, from the age of 10, you know, I, I trained really hard because I was already training for basketball. So we're talking about hours a day when I was 14, my mom, you know, worked at a bank and she ended up opening up a gym at like the top floor of this physical education building. And so, you know, she'd come home from work, go straight to the gym. So she split kind of the shift with her friend who she opened the gym with. It's probably about 1500 square feet. I mean, had everything. And, and I got, I was really fortunate because, you know, one of Slovenia's top power lifters was there and, you know, he taught me how to bench and squat and showed me a lot of stuff. And what's so crazy was that in the bottom floor of that building uh, was a little facility uh, for gymnastics. And there was two guys in there. Um, one of them was a Yash Pigan, who's, you know, six time, five, six time world record holder in the straddle. 
And those guys would come up and train. So like, you know, I had like some amazing people showing me how to do stuff um, that I didn't until later realize how much of a blessing it was. And that's when at 14, I got into weights, you know, and it was, it was the first time where I, you know, I started lifting weights and all of a sudden, yeah, I was shorter, but I was stronger, you know, than people. I was able to jump higher. Uh, so I, I got this feedback from training where I was like, damn, like I could, if I do this, it helps me in basketball. And so that's when I got hooked on, you know, the performance side of things. And I mean, I'm like at 15 years old, I'm, you know, I'm studying books. I'm, you know, those dumb programs like Air Alert 1 and 2 with that uh, didn't make sense. But like st still, I'd, I'd get into it. I'd read everything. I mean, by the time I was, you know, 17, I'm reading Charlie Francis' uh, Speed Trap. Um, I, uh, when I was 17, I actually started training because my coach knew him. Uh, this, this guy named Serjan Djordjevic, who was the number one track and field coach. Uh, he actually trained Marilyn Adi, uh, Brigitte Bukovic, you know, 92, 92 Olympics, silver medalist, and 110-meter hurdles. And, and, like, and these were the people I was training with, um, you know, at 17. And, and my coach said to him, hey, I got this kid. He's a psycho. He's nuts. Like, he'll do anything. He'll eat barbells, you know, like if you tell him to. Um, like, he wants to, you know, get faster and jump higher, you know. And Serjan goes, like, yeah, just tell him to come in in the morning before, before school, right, thinking there's no way I'm going to show up. And here I am, you know, two, three days a week showing up, you know, 6.30 in the morning training before I go to school um, and training with like the best athletes in the world. I mean, you know, Brigitte Bukovic is teaching me foot fire drills and 10% sled sprints. And like she's at that time, the top three in the world, all, pretty much all the time on hurdles, you know. So um, this curiosity, like in this kind of drive of performance training was there. You know, I, I ended up going to college. Uh, did, you know, train all the time, but did ended up doing a minor in exercise science in Alley just because I was like, I'm interested in this shit, you know, um, did business management because I was like, all right, I'm getting this scholarship. Like, you know, what do you do? Well, fuck it. You do business, right? That, that's going to be useful. So, um, <laughs> but, but really like, you know, I, I ended up taking all these electives and uh, ended up getting a minor in that. And so I was so into training. It's like really hard to explain. But at that point in time, if you said, you know, if, if at age 20, 18, whatever you said, um, what do you want to do? Like, there's only one answer. I'm going to play pro basketball. You know, that's, that's it. But underneath, this was developing. And so, you know, uh, I start playing pro. I'm obviously, you know, you're doing two-a-days from training to lifting weights to, to everything else. And so, you know, once, like I said, the pro career is like, it's really interesting story because, you know, it's not like, it doesn't most people are not like LeBron or Kobe or you know and I mean that like as far as like money goes and everything like I learned a lot of things the hard way from you know uh, seasons where you don't get paid for six months or nine months and then you're in a legal battle with a team but you're but you're still practicing five hours a day you know and and it's not as passionate as purposeful as like I do streetball tournaments love it you know I, I made it to Nike Battlegrounds one-on-one -on -one finals you know I was one of the best one-on-one -on -one players in the country for years and you know and I love that but then you go play for a team and it's like month four where you're not getting paid coaches yelling at you when a ninja kick him in the head you know <laughs> the culture in the team is not great so I mean these are all real things you know you, you're in an apartment with three other guys like I mean it, it's it's not glamorous and I, I never take it back because it was such an incredible you know part of my life and I learned so much and it built my character but uh, second, this is like probably like moving into year towards the end of year two of my, my pro career. And I was back in Slovenia uh, playing for uh, Trigla back then, I think. 
uh, if you can't pronounce the name, don't worry about it. But, <laughs> but, but it's, uh, I started, you know, like what I was doing, I was training out of this gym and people started, uh, and I was, I was studying training all day long. I mean, I read every article on Elite FTS. I read every article on T Nation. Matter of fact, I flew out to Birmingham, uh, flew out to London, went to Birmingham for a, uh, Eric Cressy seminar with Nick Grantham. And, uh, and me and Eric are like the same age. And, you know, I, I read all his articles and I was like, oh man, like there's a seminar, boom, I'm going to go out to London and I'm still pro playing pro ball at that time. Um, and, you know, people were like, where did you come from? I'm like, ah, oh, I came from Slovenia to the seminar, bought all of his products. You know, we went to lunch. Uh, that's actually how probably like 14, 15 years ago I, uh, is when I started kind of building that relationship with Eric. And, you know, he was like, holy shit. Like, I mean, I could, I could tell you like pages from ultimate back and performance, you know, McGill's book. Like I just, I was, I was so into training that I could tell you where, what was, it was, um, and, but that, that's how like into it I was. And so I, I was training out of this gym in Slovenia and people started asking like, dude, what are you doing? You know, dynamic warmups and shit that used to be wacky back then. Um, I did a lot of kettlebells because I mean, I, I started doing kettlebells in 2001, did the first RKC with Pavel in, in Denmark in 2004. Um, and, you know, I just started helping people and I really enjoyed it. And I wrote an article on back pain for a, a magazine that blew up and people started going like, dude, are you the back pain guy? You know, and I'm like, oh, I wrote that article. So all of a sudden I'm, I'm having some clients just as a side thing. And to that year, like I remember I'm not getting paid. So it's like, I'm arguing with the team. I mean, everybody was uh, to, to get their salaries and whatnot. Uh, I started training some of my friends and we start training people in this park called Tivoli. And we roll up in the car, we have kettlebells, ropes, kegs, and then there's like trails and pull-up bars and logs. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's as, as old school as you can imagine. And we, we start these little, so I'm training some people in the gym and then outside we have this little group that we start forming and it goes from three people to five to eight to 10 to 12. And then people are coming by, you know, this is a, a park where everybody's walking around and, and we have a little corner where there's this sprint trail up there. What are you guys doing swinging these balls? You know, and it was like this simple where it'd be like, uh, man, come on Friday and get a free workout, you know? People show up, do it, and go like, holy shit, how much is this? You know, and we're charging like, I don't know, like five bucks a session. Three, I mean, just, you know, not really making anything. But what happened is that went from like three, five, eight, 10, 12, 15, you know, then we split the groups. And I was like, man, there is something here. And the results were crazy. And people, people were like, um, they, they, they loved it and they wanted it, you know? And I went to my brother and, and one of my best friends, Giga, and I said, listen, man, we got something here. Like we have to open up a gym, you know, and, and they were against it. I mean, first of all, too, at this point in time, I'm, I'm dating, um, you know, who, uh, my girl who ended up being my wife and I am now divorced, but it's just like, that's how I initially also came to Seattle. We we're doing a long distance relationship. So my brother's like, man, it's like, I think you're going to, you know, you talk about moving in this. I said, I, look, I don't know, but my gut feeling is we have to do this. Everything is screaming. We got to do this. Now, at this point in time in Slovenia, there's no functional training gyms, you know, and I, I say functional reluctantly, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. at, like performance, personal training gyms, like they don't exist. It's either big box gym and that's it. And I go to this consultant and I pay him and I'm like, man, I got this idea. Like, here's what we're doing. Like, I really think this is going to pan out. And this dude is, and he's like the guy, you know, it's kind of almost like a, he was like a Thomas Plummer back then and for Slovenia, you know, and he's like, oh man, your enthusiasm is crazy. Uh, but look, man, this isn't going to work, you know, save your money. 
uh, it's just the reason there's no gyms like that because there's no market for it. And I, I remember vividly just looking at him like with the, you know, you know, just doing like, huh? I was like, you're out of your fucking mind. Like, we're going to go do this, you know? And, and I finally convinced my brother, we spent, you know, some, some thousands and putting the kettlebells, some barbells, body weight. And we get a 470 square foot room. And that was, uh, it wasn't called Vigor Ground back then. Uh, it was called actually Kettlebells, the body project, believe it or not. Wow. Uh, this is like 14 years ago, man. Like it's gotta be like 14 years ago. And that was our first gym. And the, you know, we ended up opening and the times that we did have ended up filling up really fast. Obviously it's a small place. And within not long, we went to probably about 20, it was like in the same building. Uh, it was like 2,200 square feet, I think. And, and then not long after that, uh, I ended up leaving and, and that ended up moving to the U S because like I said, the, the long distance relationship was just too challenging and, and we needed to make a move. And that was tough for me because that was my baby. Right. And, uh, but then my brother and, and my, my friend Giga took that over and it was another guy Gregor, that uh, was involved. And, you know, then that story kind of, I mean, I was obviously always a part in guiding and consulting and whatnot, but it's, you know, they took it where it is now. Like we've, you know, we've, we have, we were the first and we still are the, the gym for, uh, in Slovenia, man. Like, you know, we're obviously we were, we were hit very hard and it's been very challenging because of, of COVID there too. But, uh, right before and we had 450 members trained Olympians, trained NBA athletes, trained, you know, Euro league soccer players and a ton of general pop. And like, we're also probably number one, you know, educational kind of uh, gym in, in the country, kind of how what we developed obviously in the U S which has always been my vision. And when I came to the U S it was, I mean, in Slovenia, I started getting known some, you know, I was writing articles and I was training there and I played pro sports and, um, I kind of had to start from scratch and I started from scratch at LA fitness. It was actually a place that was called pure fitness that, that ended up turning into LA fitness. And, um, I had to be a training manager first because I couldn't afford to, to be a trainer, which is crazy, right? But like, uh, so what I would do is I'd be a training manager, sell memberships, and on the side, I train because that's what I wanted to do. And uh, I couldn't even get paid for the sessions I trained, so I made a deal with the other coaches and I said, hey, listen, what if I give you these sessions? Because people would buy them and they had to use them. And uh, I made a deal where I like, listen, here's the deal. I'll give you these sessions, so it's free money for you, but you, you got to pay me half in cash, which course everybody did because it was free money but it it made me able to get something out of it um which made me build a good relationship with the coaches just like that's a little tip there for you <laughs> always be a giver like that's that street hustle you know uh, and um and from there i went to you know a place and, and and you know what like even though some of it was shitty um you know I, I did training manager i ended up becoming weekend manager and did a lot of management stuff sales numbers all that stuff while i was i mean i was working hours that are ridiculous I, I wouldn't ever want anybody to even try to do that i mean like legit 100 hour weeks you know just non-stop you know sleeping three hours a night four hours a night max you know and um but that would that was the journey and from there i went to this place called vision quest which which had one gym and um you know became really good friends with the owner helped him lose 120 pounds turned the place around we, we were the first gym it was the first big box gym where we turned we created eft like so imagine you got a big box gym that charges 19 bucks a month. And I came in and said, Hey, listen, we should run boot camps and make, put them on EFT for like 95 bucks a month. And they're like, you're insane. Nobody will do that. Um, I was like, nah, I think we can do that, you know? Uh, and we did it. And it's like, you know, we launched with 65 people in it, uh, and it grew and, and you know, I got a little cut out of that. And I mean, I basically changed 
I would say, personal training inside of that gym. This was a big gym, 45,000 square feet. And in the recession, they ended up buying, you know, 14 other gyms, selling telefitness for 37 million. Um, I left after a couple of years, but like really developed a lot of stuff there. And I opened my, my own little garage gym. And so that was like around 11 years ago. And we went from, you know, 1,000 square foot garage to 4,700 square foot, um, you know, three years in the garage, about five and a half in, in a 4,700 square foot gym. And then I ended up buying a 12,000 square foot building, which is what we're in right now. And, and like I said, I, you know, I said, keep it short. It, it kind of is short because there's so much stuff in there that, you know, I could touch on. Um, but hopefully that paints a little bit of a picture uh, because there's way, 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 like there's probably a 10 to one ratio of failures versus successes, you know, and, and I think it's very easy to, you know, somebody will go like, look at the journey of vigor and Luca and, you know, and it's like, man, like I ate so much shit, you know, to, to get here, but it, you know, and, but you you realize it's all just, it's lessons. It's a process. It teaches you resilience. It teaches you, you know, a lot of these eulogy values that I think today are forgotten. And, and what I mean by that, by the way, is, you know, people put a lot of value into resume values. Resume values are things like wealth, status, fame, um, you know, and, and eulogy values are things like work ethic, resilience, honor, pride, you know, loyalty. Um, and, and we live in a you know, generation where you, so much value is put in the, the resume values and it actually deters you from really being successful long term. And, uh, and I've learned that the hard way. I mean, look, I've been, like I said, I've been a criminal for a long time. I've, you know, failed in basketball so many times that I can't even tell you, you know, to, to get to even be pro or play an NBA, NBA summer pro league. And my dream was to be an NBA, but like, you know, I never made it so big in ball that I could live off of that for the rest of my life or anything like that. I mean, honestly, I was broke when I came to the U S I was completely broke, by the way, you know, I, first six months I lived in my wife's room in her parents' house, you know what I mean? And I was personal training. I had like 500 bucks on my account. Um, so it wasn't a Luca made money and took that money and opened up a gym. I spent, I, I opened up my first gym with $7,000 and three grand of that was three months of down payment for the rent because I, my, my credit was shitty and I was a foreigner and yada, yada, yada. So, you know, that's just the reality. And, and if you, if you, I focus on you, like, look, I think being financially successful and have having security uh, and creating a career and, uh, you know, having reputation, I think those are important things, but I, I feel like if you focus on eulogy values, like that's what will actually long-term create, you know, the wealth and the status and all these other things that you're, you're searching for. And, um, and I think that's, what's so important, you know, and, and this could be like a multi, multi, multi hour podcast. It's just like a lot of hard stories. Like, I mean, I've been through, I mean, you name it, but you know, it's like got married, got divorced, got, you know, had, uh, but in business, I've had many, many failures, right? Like there's, there's just so much. And, and I think it's important for everybody to realize that wherever you are, because we are going through a really challenging time right now. I mean, you talk about adversity. Uh, we're talking about adversity for the whole industry. I mean, for many industries right now. And you have, I think it's so important to look back. I, I do it often now because, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm immune to stress or anxiety or things like that. I just think my capacity for dealing with it as much much higher but you know i've had some moments when I'm like oh shit and you have to look back and 
look at your successes, you know, and like, and look at how you overcame adversity over and over and over and over again and to understand that you can do it again, right? Because you're, you're here, right? So you're a success, you're here. No matter, no matter what it is, like you're here. And, and so that's what I feel like is a really big skill set is like learning how to, you know, have this mental framework and emotional framework to overcome adversity. And that's what you, you know, what you were saying at the beginning, you know, tactical stuff, like, look, tactical stuff is important. Strategic stuff is important, but how many times have you, you know, and I continue to coach many, many, many people in many different realms. And, um, you know, from whether it's, you know, I've got UFC fighters, I got major league top major league baseball players to Seahawks and I'm training right now to, um, executives to anybody else, you know what I mean? To, to every person that has a challenge and an obstacle in their way. And so much of it is like, they know what to do, right? If you ask, like, if you ask somebody in, in, um, you get a client, right? I know a lot of, a lot of the coaches are listening to this podcast. So if, if a client comes in and you, and you say, um, Hey, you know, and they're, they're, they're telling you that they're stuck and they want to lose 30 pounds and whatever else. And you say, what do you think are some things that you could do to change where you're at? They'll give you answers. Like 99% of the time they're like, well, you know, I t like every time I go out, have some drinks with my friends and then that turns into blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. I just, you know, I just don't feel like training and I need support. Okay, cool. Right. They're going to give you answers. So they know what to do. They know. They don't know how to do it. Right. How to get to do it and do it consistently. And that's where coaches come into play, you know, and that's why if you live in a realm of where, you know, you're reps and set schemes and you know all this other shit like great job that's not going to help you transform people you know not to say like that's the buy-in like being i was just talking to mike robertson about this and on one of my podcasts and um you know as far as like dude that's the buy-in like understanding training anatomy uh you know kinesiology biomechanics like i mean dex is knows of nutrition dude that's the buy-in like welcome to the table bro you know what i mean and and then from there on it's like coaching like actual real coaching um, and, and two, like we can, you know, dive into some coaching stuff today too. Um, like tactical stuff, right? We can, we can touch on tactical stuff all day long. Uh, but I, I think that that's an important thing. And, you know, I, I was, I was listening to, like, I'll walk every day, you know, try to get my, my 10,000 plus steps in. And I usually listen to podcasts while I do. And I was just listening to Mark Cuban and Mark Cuban, you know, said, Hey, he was being asked, what is the future of, um, you know, the, the future of industries and stuff. And, you know, he focused on like the big picture. It was talking about robotics, robotic pharmaceuticals and stuff. And like, not to bore you with any of that shit, but here, here's, but here's what he, he said that was to me profound. And it made me smile because it's what I've invested a lot in is he said, learning to learn. He said, if you can learn to learn, man, like you have such a competitive advantage. Right. And to, to me, that's been, I would say my competitive advantage amongst other things is that I, I've become exceptionally good at learning um, and I can learn fast and I can learn and apply fast. And so, and I can learn and fail fast, which gives me experience and wisdom, which means that I can do better. And that's a lot of times where people get stuck is like, Oh, I don't know enough yet. Okay, cool. Go learn more. Like we live in an unprecedented time where you can Google shit and YouTube stuff and get free shit, like everything, everything. You know what I mean? Like, tell me, tell me what you want to know. I mean, like, 
marketing stuff and just write whatever topic you want. And then digital marketer and like the company digital marketer has probably blogs that are 10,000 words long. They explain everything. Go to YouTube. You don't know how to do this. YouTube it. There's somebody screen flowing the whole fucking thing, right? It's their lack of knowledge is the worst excuse in today's time, right? Because, and I, and I, and I spend a lot, like I actually go, I go to a lot of, um, do a lot of different things here, but like uh, inner city schools, you know, low income areas because I, I'm very, very driven and um, passionate about helping kids, you know, change their paths. Like I did, you know, like I, I'm, I'm an example of somebody that could have really, really, and did go down the wrong path and turn it around. And one of my examples is, you know, where try to focus on things that we can control. And, and, and right now, you know, in America, even if you're, you know, uh, low income, a lot of times you'll have, everybody has a cell phone, you know, and I'll, I'll ask the kids, I'm like, yo, what's your favorite hip hop song? You know, we'll start meshing and da 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 right? And, and then I'm like, hey, all right, man, what's, what's something that you want to do? You want to get great at? Oh, man, when we like, um, get good at video stuff, you know? And I'm like, hey, man, that's great. That's awesome. Like, video actually is the future, right? If you can do video, all companies, small businesses, medium businesses, if you can do great storytelling through video, you can kill it. And you don't, you know, I'm not saying leave school, but I'm saying you can learn that right now. You know, oh, what else? okay, cool. Instead of listening to, you know, three, four hours of, of music, let's pull up on YouTube and I'll pull it up. I'm like, how to create great video. 175,000, you know, uh, hits. Cool. And I'm like, I'll just play around and go like, all right, boom, you know, 20 minute video, somebody's showing you how to like do something in Photoshop or, you know, all these new apps that you can now play around with. I'm like, dude, sit at home, do that. Learn it, do it, learn it, do it, learn it, do it, learn it, do it. Right. And, you know, one of my video guys is like, man, self-taught, he's a beast. He actually shot hip hop videos. And then I was like, I, I just, you know, didn't have a big following. I was like, yo, let's sit down and talk, man. Like, I love the style. This is my style of like storytelling. Would you want to do some content? You know, and now, you know, Tyler does so much of my stuff for me, man. And it's different. It's sick. And, and I mean, I've referred so much business to him that he, you know, he, he moved to San Diego and lives off of it. I mean, it's right. Like, but, but these stories are there to show you that like sometimes, you know, what you say is the obstacle. It's not, it's, it really is not like precision nutrition, I think has 1400 articles, 1500 or something. Maybe I'm, you know, I, I know it's over a thousand. Um, so they're free by the way. Right. You want to get good at nutrition? Dude, go read a thousand. Like I read thousands of articles like on elite FTS and T nation back in the day. Right. I mean, yeah, I bought all these products and books and courses and right. But at the beginning, it was like, well, shit, I don't have money. So let me read the free stuff first. Right. And, you know, you want to get good at filling in the blank like you can do it. Learning how to learn. There's a process learning how to learn. Guess what? There's a course on learning how to learn. Check that shit, too. Many of them. So, you know what I mean? Look it's at Jim Quick. Like I'm, yeah, I know it, it is. I know it's but, but, it, but it's it's people don't think that's a thing, though. I talk to people I'm like learning how to learn is a thing. It's a skill set because people, you know, somebody be like, man, how the hell did you? And I'm like, because I can learn fast. I, over the weekend, I can go through a course, like a 12 hour course and read a book, like in a weekend and on Monday, you know, on Friday, I'm like, man, I'm not quite sure about this on Monday. I got a plan for you. You know what I mean? Like, and I think in this industry, we're very bought into, um, this is a conversation that I've had a lot, you know, lately with Brett Bartholomew, with Mike, with, uh, you know, it's that there's, there's a ton of courses and stuff on, you know, training, 
but there's a lot less on communication and coaching and that's where people and, and you know building relationships and um i would say so you know social and emotional intelligence and understanding how to uh i would say connect and you know everything you know i would say social environments and everything in that realm i mean there's stuff around it it's just that like sometimes you got to seek out of this industry to get the best stuff and you know same thing seek it out and get better at it and and you will have a competitive advantage as a coach same thing for marketing same thing for everything else i mean like what is you know t t what is your grow your gym it's like man like to me i i it's coaching right I, like i coach you where you're at to be able to move forward like that's it um and a lot of times like you know have you figure out your own shit to be honest with you find your you know i call it tripping over the truth right it's like i know that like, I know what you got to do, but I'm not going to tell you, like, all right, Stan, I want you to do this. I'm going to ask you a question until you trip over, over your own truth and go like, ah. And then hopefully you feel like you figured it out, you know? And, like, great coaching is, like, where you figured it out. Not my ego having to go, see, see Stan, I told you because I know and you don't. You actually have the answers. My great coaching is me helping you find your answers, right? Because it's internal. It's not... External coaching is circumstantial, right? Like, and you gotta, you gotta know how to do that too, for sure. Um, but I feel like that's easier. The harder part is the internal stuff. Like, whereas, you know, you having you figure out your emotions and, uh, and your, your own obstacles and blocks. And I mean, and there's a, there's a whole, like, I mean, coaching is so, <laughs> it's so deep, but like, I'm, I'm actually looking up uh, some of my notes right here and what I do with my coaches and hold on, let me see where it's at. Dude, so uh, I, I have a question actually. So I think for a lot of people, like they, they hear you talk about like how, how invested you are in yourself, how invested you are in your craft and, uh, and how much you learn. How, I mean, like I, I would say like when I think about when you were, uh, when you were really coaching me, right. Uh, I think about, I was thinking about, I was walking my dog today and I was like, you know, that experience was interesting because to me, it was like you were leading in a way that was very different than what you would think a leader does, right? So to me, you were leading by example, number one, by having lived it, by having built up this gym, and, and then you could mentor us on the tactics. Uh, but also you were leading from this place of you were always going to be, to me at least, the hardest working person in the room, right? Like you were going to be, like you said, that person that's just going to go all in, going to learn, and you were going to go uh and take you know really leave no stone uncovered to make sure that you could provide the best quality and so people listen when that happens right when you're like man i know that when lucas speaks like he's speaking from like having read probably three dozen books gone through you know a bunch of these courses and, and then same thing like also coming from having seen even your own transformation in your life where i remember like there was a time where you and steve basically like just over the course of a couple of days kind of came out and like completely were like uh changed in the way that you saw the world and having gotten past a lot of stuff which like amazing to see and then we went through the same thing but what i think is interesting and like i was kind of thinking about this when you said it because i can relate to it uh like how you had that chip on your shoulder right like you know not like dude i'm imagine you're six foot in shoes i'm like five eight in shoes so uh, for me, I feel the same way when I get to go power lift and like, all right, I can pull like almost 600. Now I'm like, all right, I feel like I'm like five, eight now or five, nine now, you know, uh, <laughs> it's the same thing basically. Uh, but also like that's, that to me is like, it's almost like sometimes when I have that chip on my shoulder of like barely graduating high school and all of these things, like 
that's what makes me work way harder than than most people, right? And I think you take it even farther. Like you'll work you'll work harder than me. And how much of this is like you're also learning and and putting yourself in that position of like really trying to be the the best in the industry in so many different ways, understanding like coaching at such a deep level, partially because there is like that chip on your shoulder of like, you know what? Like I could have so many excuses, but I'm not going to let those define who I am. It's, you know, this, this is always an intriguing and interesting question. Um, people will say stuff like what drives you, what, you know, how can you push like this for so long and constantly? And I, I, I do think that, you know, the carrot, the carrot gets, uh, the carrot works sometimes, but it only works so long, right? The carrot is like the money. The carrot is the, somebody saying that you're the best or whatever else. Right. And, and I'm not saying like, I, you know, I like achievements, like achievements certainly drive me somewhat, but there's something deeper than that. And, and, you know, I do feel like it's funny. Like I was just this, this past week coaching some of my clients and some friends and having discussions with them. And, you know, to one of them, I said, you know what? I said, you're missing meaning, you know, like it, they're constantly, they constantly have to have a challenge to to do something and as soon as it's not there anymore you know they kind of fall off and i was like man like you 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 have to find meaning in the things that you do you gotta you know when when you for instance uh are trying to have a a physical transformation um you have to find this deep anchor right of why you're doing it and we you know I'm, i'm sure that you've talked about this on the show before where you know i call it the five six seven whys like finding out why you're really doing something because otherwise if it's if it's too surface like you won't go through hard stuff soon as challenge you know the bigger the challenge like you'll just quit because it's not enough meaning but like what's meaning like i mean everybody will kind of get this if you have, if you have a kid you know if you have a family um man what would you do for your family i mean like right you, you work your ass off to live a kid to, to build a better life for them hopefully this is what i challenge many people that do have families uh or if you have teams is to be the example right which I think everybody should think about, right? I call it the lighthouse, right? You got to be the lighthouse. The lighthouse, the lighthouse, you know, there's, is, there's this kind of like a analogy of the lighthouse and the tugboat. And, you know, the tugboat is like, you know, you, you go out and these crazy storms try to saving, try saving people. And a lot of times everybody drowns, right? The lighthouse is firm. It stands solid in the storm, no matter the waves, the winds, everything. And it just shines, you know what I mean? And like, and to me, that is like you like, and, and, you know, think about the times that we're in right now, COVID protests, you know, uh, standing up for what's right, standing against what's wrong. I, I don't feel and, and like, I'm all about sharing your voice on the platform, but what's most important is that like you, you live the life, you know, that you're the example of the life that you talk about. And that's a lighthouse, right? You attract through that light. You guide people to, to safety, to a better place through that light. So if you're, if you're a father, if you're a mother in a family, what do you do, right? You, you eat healthy and you train and you exercise and you show gratitude and compassion. And you treat people kindly and you treat people, uh, I would say, certainly when it comes to, you know, race, ethnicity, religion equally, right? Like, so like all these things that we talk about in values, are you living them every single day, right? And and I, I know I kind of interjected that because I do feel like it's important. But a lot of times, if you talk to a parent, like they'll find meaning in that, 
right? They'll go to the gym because it's like, man, I want to be fit and healthy for my kids and I want to be an example and I want to do this, that. Okay, meaning, meaning, right? No matter how hard it gets, there's such deep meaning that you'll overcome it. Okay, when you're, when you're building a gym, when you're building your fitness business, right? What's the meaning behind it? Now, there's, there's different things for me. Like, I, I, you know, I legitimately want to change the way that things are done and seen in the industry. Uh, I, I really do. I think this, you know, this has been another time where I've been kind of disappointed. I mean, think about this. Like, we're the last to open. You know, we're, we're being seen as like, by, at least by the government, like, oh, fuck it, phase three with, you know, whoever else. Not to judge any other business, but like, I believe that what we do is one of the most powerful things in the world. It's not just physical health, it's mental health. Mental health is at its lowest right now. Look at call centers for depression, up 2,000%, anxiety, uh, suicides, right? Mental health. We get like, I've probably had 100 members that go, this is, they don't go, wow, this is really keeping me lean during this time. They go, this is keeping me mentally fucking like, like on point. Like I'd lose my shit if I didn't have this, right? Even the virtual training and everything else that we're doing. And so I'm like, that's part of, of it for me too, is like, I want to like put this industry where it belongs. Whereas like being recognized for how impactful it is in the world. Cause I know, cause why, why do I know? Well, because I've personally coached thousands of people. We've coached between the Slovenian gym and here, like 10,000 people, you know what I mean? Not, that's not, that has nothing to do with what the stuff we've done online and the gyms and, and everything else. And I've seen it. And so to me, it's like, when I walk past the bar down the street two days ago and it's packed already and it's like people are playing pool and drinking, it's like, hey, cool, like social connection is important. But I can't, you know, have the gym open where, where uh, you know, we legitimately help people change their lives. I mean, our new tagline on the Vigor website is, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like a story brand tagline, but it's like, we help our clients change their, their bodies so they can change the stories to their lives, right? Change your body and your mind. You're going to change this narrative of your life. Like, that's what we do. And, and so I have meaning behind that beyond like, hey, I want us to be the greatest gym in the world, which I do, right? I do. That's my little achievement thing that I shoot for. But it's beyond that, right? For me, what's meaning too, like this might sound corny and cliche and fucking whatever, but like, you know, there's a saying it's in, inside our walls. I have it written everywhere. It's like you, you, you can't choose your potential, but you can choose to fulfill it. And there's this deep that like I... I cringe to think that I'm not squeezing the orange of life fully, every drop of juice out. You know what I mean? And, and you know, it's, it's like the whole, that whole fear of regret. Like, man, I want to squeeze the juice out fully. And it's, it's challenging, right? Because there's other parts of it to it. Like there's, you know, I, I am somewhat of a workaholic, but I also have been able to travel the world and, and do a lot of amazing things. And I want to continue to do that. I want to have a family again and so on and so forth. Right. So, and, and that's where to me, you know, mentorship, coaching, all these things come into play a lot because um, is somebody be able, being able to kind of guide you, you know, along being, be a Sherpa to your own Everest. Um, but the, the kicker is that there has to be meaning attached to it. Right. Like the reason why I want to help more kids go off the path, because it's like, it's what changed my life. And like, you know, basketball and coaching there changed my life. It, I mean, it really, and I'm, I mean this at the highest level, like I legitimately don't know where I would be without it. You know, where would I be without basketball and fitness? I, I don't know. Not a good place. I'll tell you that. And, and there is this meaning, there's this deeper meaning to me because I spent a good amount of my life doing shitty stuff 
that kind of you know tilted the scale of karma I, I would say in the wrong direction and when I started training people it made me feel really good like and I was making shit money but it was like man I really feel great after these sessions these people are like so they feel better they look better they're they're like man thanks for that that was so good after months I see them change and they're like hey you changed my life and like that feeling was something that I was like man I want more of that feeling I'm hooked on this feeling and and so and I also was like man how can I spend the rest of my life tilting this you know, maybe call it the scale of karma in a direction where I'm doing good in the world. You know, and to, to me, coaching was uh, a vocation that, you know, allowed me to do that. Like the, the, the vehicle of fitness is, is life-changing, right? And so there was, there was meaning behind it and there's meaning behind going and helping others out. Now, look, let, let's first go, um, this, this, is, this is proven, you know, this is proven if you um, Sebastian Junger, the book tribe, but he talks about like, there's three things. There's only three things that like drive our intrinsic motivation, right? Intrinsic is internal motivation, right? Not, not external, not like, Oh, I'm going to get this car. Oh, I'm going to get this girl. I'm intrinsic. What is, what fulfills us and motivates us intrinsically, right? There's three things. Number one is competence, right? If you get better at what you do, you're more fired up and more uh, fulfilled. To a degree that like I think it was the book Drive where it talks about even rats like when they they put them in in in, uh, in these test tubes and stuff when they get better at getting the cheese or or mice like they actually are excited about it right they try to get better at it so like we, we and we humans intrinsically like if you keep getting better at what you do and let's let's take basketball right um man you can't make left-handed layups and you keep practicing it and all of a sudden you know you're you're floating him all over like a seven footer every time off the top of the glass and it goes in like you're fucking internally like, yeah, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, you, you couldn't get a swing, but then you get it like, yeah, you deadlift to 200, but then you go 240. Yeah. Like it, that's, that's intrinsic, right? You see improvement and competence. It's intrinsic in any area of your life. So there's that. Number two is contribution. You know, contribution is like paying it forward and helping and serving, being a servant leader and serving others. So like, have you ever felt bad, like opening a door for somebody, you know, donating and going for the building habitat for humanity? For me, it's many of those things. I do many of those things and we've raised over well over a hundred thousand dollars in the last 11 years for charities. I mean, we, we've raised almost 10,000 in the last two weeks for um, equal justice initiative and uh, know your rights camp, you know, which are all obviously in support of Black Lives Matter. But once again, these are contribution. Now, this is contribution. Now, my favorite contribution is actually mentoring uh, youth and, and, and mentoring, like I said, that's why I love like Yo Grow Your Gym. That's why I love coaching. That's why I love, you know, everything else that I'm involved in where I donate my time because it's contribution and it's intrinsically fulfilling and meaningful. And the third one, which I think probably is the most important is connection. Right. And that is like you take a, you take out humanity, you take out other people out of your life. Is it, it's not worth living. You can have everything you want and you don't have the people around you that you care about. Life's not worth living. Right. Oh, you have success and you can't share it with anybody. Not worth living. Connection is everything. We are social creatures. Our brains developed because not because we needed to get smarter, but because we needed to be able to have more, I would say, uh, more of, of, capacity to learn names remember feelings like in, you can there's a book called social that breaks all that stuff down right that's why we our brains grew we're, so we could work together we're we're physically we're nowhere near the most dominant species and yet 
look at what we've done because we're able to work together. So if we can't connect, there's nothing. That's why this time has been so much harder. I'm an extrovert. So like, you know, I've seen 99.5% less people in the last three and a half months than I usually do. And that's been fucking hard because I'm a people person, man. I want to break bread with people and laugh and smile and train and do all these different things. And, and so you have to, sometimes it's just like, it's not even, you know, sometimes it's just looking for meaning. Like, though, you know, when you look at competence, you look at contribution, you look at, um, and you look at connection. I mean, those three should be enough to like help you understand that like there's meaning in all these things that we do. Uh, but you know, if you're chasing and yeah, like, look, temporarily, maybe it's like, Hey, I want to make six figures, but I promise you when you get the six figures, it's just going to, you know, we're a hedonic society. Then you're going to want to make 150 grand, 200 grand. You're going to, you know, and, and, and that's okay, but there's got to be something deeper because otherwise you quit. Right. It, 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 that's just part of it. Right. And look, so, you know, somebody might be like, how do you find it? You know, <laughs> how do you find meaning? Well, I'll say this purpose is not found. It's forged. Right. And, and you got to work for it. Like you don't sit on the couch and same thing. I was you know, talking to a friend the other day. I'm like, look, you're not going to sit on the couch and just, you know, read books and fill out forms and figure this shit out. You got to go and do stuff like, oh, you don't know what your career is that you really, really love. Hey, you know what? You have a gut feeling. Is there something that you kind of like doing? Go do it. You know, intern, go do it for months. Go work there for a year. And here's the thing. Maybe at the end of the year, you're like, man, maybe this is not it. But I, I built some skill sets and now I'm better off. And now you continue to forge purpose, right? So I think that, you know, working through, through stuff is, is really, really important. Like I thought my, hey, listen, I thought basketball was my purpose, right? Right, that's, that's where I was at. And I kept forging forward. And I was like, oh, shit, it's not, you know. And then it was, then it was like, oh, it's fitness, it's coaching. Oh, now it's, it's gym ownership. Oh, now it's coaching all these other people. Oh, now like there's, right? Like you go through layers. David Data talks about there's these layers of purpose, you know. And, um, and, and you are in your own layer of purpose. But I'll tell you what, like you can't figure out that true, deep, meaning purpose without putting in work. There's just, just no way around it. I love it, man. Uh, so I know we're, we're coming up on time, but I always like to ask one like little curveball question at the end. And dude, that was, that was amazing, by the way. I have so many notes. I was just like going, going to town. I'm like, this is amazing. And I think you're right. Like, you know, for me, uh, when you just look at, I mean, even the day-to-day of owning a gym, right? Like you and I have experienced that. You've experienced it way more than I have. But like even the day-to-day, there are little things that are kind of frustrating right they feel dumb they feel like oh man like i gotta look at this i gotta do that like you know i gotta go into mind body or whatever and you know figure something out or like learn how to use it or whatever but understanding kind of the meaning and the purpose behind it makes all the other stuff a lot a lot easier almost you know um but to ask final question throw you the curveball i mean dude you've had such an amazing uh life you've done so much you've uh you've helped so many people and you've obviously learned a ton. Uh, what would you say is, is like the biggest surprise? Like the, what was the biggest lesson or surprise that you've kind of pulled from this, this experience um, and really like, like thinking about all that stuff? Like what, what was it? Hmm. It's a load, dude, that's a loaded question too. It's hard. No, no, it's, it's a loaded question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself a second to think about this before <laughs> I just shoot this out. Um, you know, I, I think that 
this is a, this is, I think I was talking to Adam Bornstein about this. Uh, we had a really good conversation. It was like, that life's kind of like really about two things. Um, and of course that's, that's, I think a pretty profound statement, <laughs> but it, you know, but I think this is a good guiding light, right? Is if you surround yourself with good people, you'll have good experiences. And if you create good experiences, you're going to surround yourself with good people. So it, I think about that often because I mean, there's, and I think that trickles into business as well, by the way. Um, but, you know, I think part of life is certainly getting as competent as possible at what you do. Like if you, if you continue to do something and get better at it, um, you're going to love it more. You're going to get better at it. You're going to be more successful and like just always stay curious. But this whole idea about, you know, surrounding yourself with great people and, and creating great experiences. And I'll, 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 I'll give you some examples because I know example, you know, sometimes I talk in the ether and, and I get it. There's like, hey, here's these principles and you know, and, and let's zoom in more into the dirt and, and the practicality. And I can talk about that all day long. That's the tactical strategic stuff. But look, you think about, you know, what's a mastermind or, or you talk about your coaching experiences when you, when you came into the pack, I'd, I'd, I'd like to believe that, you know, it was a lot of good people and not like, not, I'm not, this is not me tooting my horn. It's, it's, it's more like everybody else that was in that group, right? The coaches and the business owners, Right? You surrounded yourself with those good people and, and it created great experiences. You learned more. You had accountability. You had a, you had a tribe that, that you also struggled with, but you knew you could lean on, right? And that's a perfect example. Like you go to events, you go to seminars. You know, uh, I have a great friend that introduces me to another good person. Like, man, Luca, like this guy's like awesome. And then, you know, we go to dinner and we start connecting and hanging out. And that opens up doors, whether it's more knowledge, more experiences, right? Like there's absolutely nothing like, but good things that happen when you surround yourself with uh, good people. And I, I like to call it collecting role models. You know, uh, role models don't have to be famous and in the spotlight. I have role models where I look at, um, you know, friends that I go like, man, what an incredible father this man is. Like, I want to be, you know, be like him, right? So I want to be around that person and learn from them. You know, whether it's, I've, I've had the, you know, the honor of, you know, I won this prize and, and got invited to Necker Island. I spent time with Richard Branson and a whole group of, you know, other people, but I personally spent time with Richard Branson, who's one of my entrepreneurial role models, right? And to be able to collect that role model and spend time with them and, you know, see how they live and how they think is incredible. You know, I mean, if that's what changes you. Remember that we are, we're, you know, we're, we just talked about being social creatures and we adhere to the standards of our tribe, you know, and that can be good or bad, right? Because, it, it means that if I got a group of people that are really like work really hard, like you're, you're going to start going like, man, like these guys really work hard. I got to work hard too. So I can be part of the tribe. Like this is how we work. This is how we operate. Now this can also be bad because it's like, well, all my friends go out drinking three, four days a week. I got to do that too. So they don't out, you know, cast me out because that's very painful, but it, but it's, that's how it is though. You know, like, and, and so I would highly, 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 highly encourage you to, you know, surround yourself with the right people. And sometimes that means, you know, that can be your inner circle that's closer by. Sometimes that means going to events and hiring mentors. It can mean a lot of different things. You know, it could be a whole podcast in and of itself. But, um, but I think that's really important. The other part is like creating great experiences. Now, um, I'll give you an example of when we started, you know, doing our events. And obviously now that's what's, what the Vigor Round Fitness and Business Summit is. I wanted to create an incredible experience for coaches. And that, that attracted 
great coaches, great human beings, great speakers that were great people, you know, see how those two work together. Um, you know, going on vacation, inviting uh, friends, great experience, great people, so on and so forth, right? Or maybe like a charity event or like there's a lot of different ways that you can do it, but those two are very interconnected. And so when you said, you know, what, what did you learn? Well, I think, I think about that a lot, you know, um, for quality of life and not just, you know, like I said, I think, I think we're talking about more than coaching and business here. Obviously, I hope that some of the things that I share are, are, are helping people go like, man, how do I, I live a better, more fulfilled life? And, you know, I've been through the ringer, like straight up. I mean, you know, uh, I feel like at this point in time, you asked me these questions 10 years ago, I'd probably say some, you know, cool shit that wasn't really true. Um, but now it's like, man, like, you know, think about, I, I share this a lot and it's some, for some people, it's very difficult to hear, right? I would say that for most people, if I say, hey, what's some of the, like the most fun stuff for you to do? Like what's some of the most, when are you the happiest, right? I'm pretty sure that you're going to say, man, when I spend time with these friends, you know, doing, you know, fill in the blank, right? And if, for me, I, I can tell you that like some of the things that make me the happiest that don't um, require anything like money or, you know, stuff or you need some, is spending time with great people, you know, having great experiences. And they can be simple, right? It can be me and Faruja in his living room, you know, eating an edible and watching some comedy and like crying our eyes out. You know, it could be uh, uh, with him and a whole group of other friends where we're in Montana, like hiking in the woods and doing crazy, you know, like, and, and then if that's true, why do you not spend more time with those friends? If those moments are so incredible, why do you spend so little time with those people? That's honestly, like, if you're listening to this, that's my question to you, Right. And if you, if there's experiences that you love to do, why don't you do more of them? Most of the stuff that we, that, that fulfill us don't cost money. I, I, I promise you that. Um, but you don't do it and your life would be better by just going like, okay, what are the things that like really, really make me happy and fulfill me? And it could be stuff like, for me, it's like drawing, you know, I love nature. I love being out in nature, um, like writing music, believe it or not. Right. And then it's like, uh, boxing, martial arts, like, you know, spending time with these people. Okay. Who are the people that, that make you really happy and fulfilled to make you better? Okay. Write those out. Like that's one of the best drills you can ever do. Write them out and then fucking do more of it. Cause I promise you when you write them out, I guarantee you, you do very little of it. I guarantee it. Right. And so, man, I wish I was more fulfilled. Okay, cool. You said you love playing a guitar. When's the last time you played a guitar? Oh man, it's been months. Why don't you fucking pick up the guitar tonight and play it? Invite some friends over. You know what I mean? Like th th this is the, like, it's, it's right in front of us, but because we're, we're, we're so focused on these like resume values, um, you know, you, you get thrown off and it's like, life can be better today. You know, you can do something that fulfills you today. And I mean, I, I hope I kind of haven't veered off, but like th that's been profound for me, right? Like as far as like the people and the experience part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it does. And I, I like to feel like, you know, business and life are very, very intermingled. Uh, so I, I try to carry that over into, you know, into a business, obviously, but those are the, those are the questions for you, right? That, that there is something, you know, you don't have to wait to make whatever amount of money to then, then you can do this thing that really fulfills you. That's bullshit. Like, you know, I, I mean, there was a time I can tell you, and I'll, I'll kind of finish on this note that, uh, may, maybe this will resonate or maybe this will give you some insight. You know, I come from like communism, right? I mean, it, and, and socialism and, and, one, and, and I played pro basketball, you know, and there was times where I was paid pretty well, uh, 
nothing crazy, but pretty well. And obviously, you know, it's time when I make shit and start to sue the team and whatever, right? But once I got into fitness, like, I mean, part of it was like, I, I was like, I want to be the best in the world at this, right? Like basketball is like, hey, I squeezed the juice out of that orange, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I got pretty damn good. But it's like, hey, you know, I wasn't going to be Kobe, LeBron, no matter what I did, right? And I worked, I mean, you ask play, players that play with me, they'll tell you that guy's psycho, you know, like I would, I would outwork everybody. And but, but in fitness, there's no limit. Like, I can continue to get better till the day I die as far as being a coach, right? I don't have to have this physical attribute, you know? And so, you know, when I, when I think about that, I'm like, man, like, there's, you know, there, it, it's, it's unlimited, right? I have this unlimited range uh, to, to go. And so I said, hey, I'm going to be the best at this, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust my ass to be the best, best at this. And then I became, you know, and I was married and, I became, you know, quote unquote successful where, I mean, shit, like I was making uh, an amount of money where in a month, sometimes where my friends in Slovenia, where, you know, salaries are lower or whatever it might do in a year. But also, I also burned out a lot of stuff around me. I got divorced. I cheated. I did a lot of crazy shit. And I got to a place where I had these things and I was very, very unfulfilled. I was empty. It's also what, you know, led me to reach out to warrior and do therapy and, a lot of things like I, you know, spent a lot of time working on myself to, to overcome, you know, those things. But the reason why I say this to you is not because I don't, you know, think you should strive to be the best at what you do. You absolutely should. That's fulfilling, right? Um, or that you shouldn't want to make really good money and support your family and give them, you know, what you believe you deserve, that, you know, get what you deserve as well, Right. But like you don't, but there's, there's not this place where that happens. And then all of a sudden you're fulfilled. I, I was there. I can tell you right now, like where on paper, somebody would go like, man, you got it. And I was fucking miserable because I fucked so much stuff up. And so this thing about good people and good experiences and these eulogy values, I'm going to keep bringing it back to that. And, and I shot this little vlog video, you know, where it took me so long to, I actually now have 10 core values for vigor, you know and before that, you know, I'd write values and somebody else's and sounded cool and whatever, you know, and it took me honestly, like really months and months and months of writing it out, crossing it out, like really, what do I believe in? What do I stand for? You know, and, and I have them and, you know, each value has a tagline, but then for each thing is like every day I can look at that and go like, man, am I living in line with this shit right here? You know, and that might be the most important question that, you know, every person listening to this can ask themselves is like, Okay, you believe in what, for instance, right? One of ours is inclusiveness. And look at what's going on in the world right now, right? Are you, here's the thing is, I, okay, great. I love it. I love that you support it by posting things or posting and sharing other people's stuff. Not against it. But are you living that? Are your behaviors on a day-to-day when there's no camera, when there's no social media, are you doing the right thing to be able to say, I live that? You know what I mean? One, for us, another one is growth. Tagline, 1% better a day. You know, are you getting better every day? Are you reading, you know, are you reading 30 minutes? Are you doing a course? Are you doing this? Are you, right? Are you fucking living that? Loyalty. You know, there's a, the test said like, hey, the, the strength of a family, like the strength of the harmony is in this loyalty to each other. Are you being loyal to your people? You know what I mean? Like, and so, and I could go down the list, but my point being is that's all, like, that's what matters. Are you living in character? Right? Do you have the right people around you? Are you creating these right experiences? You know, and part of that is obviously busting your ass to be the best that you can be at what you do. And I, I know I said I'll finish on this, but I, I've 
I don't know if I've shared it with you, Stan, but like, um, I, I believe a great analogy for life is like this. It's a, life is a video game, man. Like, and your goal in life is to be the best damn player of this game possible, right? And obstacles are bosses. And just like a video game, you wouldn't quit when the boss beats you. You fucking come back and play and figure it out, right? And then when you beat the boss, you go to the next level and you get, you know, some superpower, an extra life or some bazooka type shit or something, right? And then there's another boss. The thing about life is there's just unlimited bosses. And when you get excited about playing a game of life and knowing that challenges are bosses and if you played a video game that was easy to play and win, you'd fucking stop playing it. Stop complaining about challenging stuff in life because it's just like that game, right? And when, once you realize that and you have that type of frame, it makes things that are hard easier, mean, meaning easier. You go like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. This is another boss. I got to step my game up, man. I got to figure out which, you know, extra boost turbo ninja kick kills that boss. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and yeah. you go back to work. And so, you know, I'll, I'll finish on that note. Cause I think that that's a, uh, a good analogy. Like as, as you already know, uh, talking for a long time is not my problem. So uh, <laughs> I mean, dude, like that was amazing. And, and like, that's such a good, um, I think it's such a good, like final thought, you know what I mean? Like that's such a good takeaway for people is like, values are values are really all that we have and and being okay with those obstacles so long as you're overcoming them in a way that aligns with your values then you're winning the game you know uh how can people get in touch like how can people find you oh i'm kind of everywhere all over the place but i think you know on instagram i'm uh at luca hosevar l-u-k-a-h-o-c-e-v-a-r um, a lot of stuff I share through there. YouTube channel, same thing, Luca Hosovar. Um, the website for our gym, which also hosts a lot of the podcasts and stuff, is uh, VigorGroundFitness.com. I have two podcasts. One is more of a, I would say, coaching podcast. It's called the Vigor Life Podcast. Uh, and I mean, we talk about a lot of stuff. Um, I did Q and A episodes. I mean, these last shows we've had, you know, Jason Harris, Alan, Alan Cosgrove, Cressy, Bornstein. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, we're doing like two a week right now. So, and then, but then there's another podcast called the yo, uh, it's called yo, the business and fitness podcast. And that's my podcast with Steve Krebs. And that's like very much around business for uh, coaches and gym owners. Uh, it's a lot more, uh, it's a little bit more specific to that topic. Um, uh, apart from that, man, same thing on Facebook, Vigor Round Fitness and Performance, tons and tons and tons of content on there. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty damn good about you know, if you reach out to me, I'll get back to you. I mean, it's kind of become crazy because I'll sometimes get, you know, 100 messages a day and it's difficult to get back to people, you know, like 100 memos, 100 messages, you know, hundreds of texts. So it's, but, but I'm, I'm pretty good about that. And, and uh, I always appreciate, like, look, I, you know, I appreciate feedback. I appreciate questions. Uh, you know, a lot of times I won't be able to answer it maybe in a, in a comment, but I'll be able to answer it on a podcast episode or something like that. Um, and, and, but that's, those are the ways to, to, to find me. Awesome. And yeah. And if anybody is, is listening and like, doesn't know who you are and doesn't follow you, dude, I don't know what subject you don't talk about that a coach would benefit from, right? Like you talk about nutrition, you talk about training, you talk about business, you talk about all of these things on all these different platforms. And like, I mean, I, I've learned so much from you, from this podcast, from having known you for years that like, you know, to me, it's, uh, it's one of those things where anybody that has listened to this and is not uh, 
jumping to to go learn more from you is uh is seriously missing out i mean you you've had a huge impact on me you've had a huge impact hopefully on our listeners as well i mean uh thanks so much for joining me man and i hope everybody goes and, and checks you out learns more my pleasure brother my pleasure